Welcome back to Patch Notes. It is me, Trevor Strunk-Hagelbun on Twitter, and I'm here with uh, John Bernhard. As always, we are back in better than ever. Uh, You've heard it here first, folks. I am going to start releasing these regularly um, the day after we record them, which is usually uh, would be releasing on a Thursday. Is that that right, John? We record on Wednesdays? When we record, we do usually record on Wednesdays, yes. Yeah, all right, well... Let's, let's just make it a thing. Let's, let's just make, make it a thing. thing. Let's do it that way. Let's do it like that. So we're going to have a Patch Notes Thursday. You can start to and, – and I'm going to try and do it this week if I can wrangle Jonathan. Jonathan, I just read your name off the screen. Uh, even well, though it I is my name. I have like three names, five Yeah, names. Jonathan, Nathan, John. Yeah. So, Angry Bird. Angry Bird. Um, but yeah, Maybe. no, we um, – we, uh, yeah, we're going to start doing that. But the um, the main thing I wanted to say is uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks for being with us. And uh, there still isn't anything that's happening in the news. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've sort of we've sort of we're sort of hitting the release, you know, peak for the year. The game everyone's talking about is out. Um, yeah, and we'll be talking about that. Um, I've been uh, been playing a lot. I've been watching some. Um, yeah, I haven't. I, I will say, so we're going to talk about Death Stranding. Um, I have not been, uh, I have not been uh, streaming Death Stranding. I have like zero interest in streaming Death Stranding. It doesn't seem like something that would benefit from streaming. It seems like a very interior experience. Yeah, I just, I, uh, one of my, one of my good friends from the, uh, one of my good friends from the podcast and just like doing everything in the podcast and all that, my, my buddy Seth, uh, who people know may know as the the ham thief on Twitter. He has also been uh, ham clap in a million different places. Um, Seth is great, and he wants me to stream Death Stranding, and I want to I want to oblige him. But like, I don't know. There's not much to really see. <laughs> there's like a couple of things every so often. I ran down a gang of mules, and that was cool. Um, but that's in between a million of other things that aren't very interesting. We'll get into it. Um, uh, so far, I like it, uh, which is if, if you guys are um, familiar with the show, you know that that was not something I thought would happen, but mm-hmm. I, I'm enjoying it. I am going to wait for the PC release, and then I will jump in. PC release will be fun. I think, I think it's um, like six months from launch, so we're looking like early next year. It's a it's a cool idea to do it because uh, you're going to end up getting um, – you're going to end up getting uh, – mods mm-hmm. so you can mod out all the monster energy and stuff like that it'll be <laughs> nice i mean honestly well we'll get into it anyway um what have you been up to uh not much uh being sad solidarity with the people of bolivia uh, yeah solidarity with them that's, uh, yeah, it's awful uh monday night sorry yeah uh after the coup um beyond that uh playing some video games yelling about baseball the normal shit I do. Hey. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is playing really well for the Baltimore Ravens, so I'm sort of following the Ravens again. Uh, for the is time it because being. you like Lamar Jackson or because... Yeah, I mean, it's because they're actually fun to watch, but I still don't like football. Um, All right. So, yeah. like, I'm there until I'm there until Lamar Jackson stops being fun to watch and the Ravens often stops being fun to watch and I have to reckon with uh, the damage and the violence that professional football is doing. Uh, which um, is, is not the most principled take, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, but, that's my take. I, yeah. I watch all sorts of football all the time um, and just uh, decide not to think about it until it's uh, 
very bad until my team's doing very badly. And then I say something like, well, well, that's just the second quarter. Yeah, right. Then I say, well, football, at least they won before football ended because it's a barbaric (laughs) sport. And then they go up and I'm like, football is the best game I've ever seen in my life. It's extremely important to me. Um, So, but yeah, Lamar Jackson's pretty exciting. Uh, Bolivia is extraordinarily depressing. And yes, again, solidarity with, uh, with all the people who are being cooed out of their uh, rightful uh, democratic choice. Mm -hmm. Um, It is awful, and it is something we've seen so many times before. Uh, Hopefully, um, well, I don't have a hopefully there, but yes, it's it's very sad. Um, Speaking of not very sad things, we don't have any sad stuff this week. Yeah, we actually have, we have a surprisingly, I mean, I don't know about Death Stranding, maybe Death Stranding chat will be sad, but we do have a surprisingly lighthearted selection of news stories one of which involves like drugging and kidnapping but we'll get Mm. there um Mm. so the first thing we've got is uh fallout 76 continues to um generate content for us to consume uh i believe we talked about fallout first on either our last patch notes or the patch notes before that Mm -hmm. um yeah we talked a little bit about it was not it was last patch notes because we talked about the uh how ridiculous it was that there was this new thing that was like a, I don't know if we ended up talking about the fact that it was not actually a new server and there was like old, like old NPCs. In there yeah. I like mean, that. well, the thing is that you're supposedly able to set up private servers, but anyone who is on your friends list can join your private server and people apparently can just add you to your friends lists. However, and, and mm-hmm. once someone from your friends list jumps in, anyone from their friends list can join, you know, it, it sort of snowballs. Extremely um, cool. That's great. I mean, and what we're talking about now is, all right, so there was this class war aspect to Fallout first, where uh, Fallout 76 players were roving around servers in packs, and packs is a relative term because you only can have like 24 players at once, I think. And I mean, there's packs east and packs west, and I, you know. <laughs> well, we don't need to give them free advertising. But, um, you know, you can only have so many players per server, and it's a very large world. Right. But, Fallout first players had a badge on their username or their profile, something which visually identified them as uh, Fallout first subscribers. And uh, there were apparently roaming packs of Fallout 76 puppies uh, murdering them in the streets. Well, I guess there's not really streets, murdering them in the hills. In the hills um, of West Virginia. So uh, on the 6th of November, a article appears in Polygon.com, and here is the lead. Quote, I was once one of those crawling in the dirt, says Fallout 76 player Sean Hickman. But with hard work, some greased palms, honeyed words, I gained my fortunes. In gaining my riches, my sense of class has risen above the common rabble. Unquote. Hickman is joking, I think, kind of. He's part of a new Fallout 76 group called the Apocalyptic Aristocracy. A clan of Fallout First subscribers I mean, who come together. Let's, let's I, agree. I'll just stop there. This is. Let's agree. The aristocracy is apocalyptic. It is. So. This is doing better. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Hickman's being ironic. No one talks like that normally. This is doing so much better, like, class juxtaposition than any any other video game I've ever seen. Yeah, it's incredible. Um. Because now you've got these people who probably, I mean, I don't know Hickman's position. I don't even know who the hell Hickman is. Um, 
But I'm going to assume he's not actually a millionaire or billionaire in real life. I'm assuming he's cosplaying as one of these people. Um, but he that's is. most of the people who have time to sp- this much time to spend on Fallout 76. Yeah, I mean, that just makes him broken. It doesn't make him rich. But, it, you know, it, in terms of the games class relationships, he is part of the upper class because he is spending money to do better at the game. And he's reproducing aristocratic behaviors, um, right? Because the, and the memes do actually talk on there like that, are yeah. like are like absolutely. So there's memes on the Kotaku page, uh, or is it? Wait, it's po- Polygon. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, memes on the Polygon page that are just basically like if you took the the utmost Donald Trump in Warhammer costume style meme, uh, you would you would get these kinds of memes. It's it, it truly is like just like ramping up. Uh, a sense of like what it means to be rich and what it means to be poor. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Here's the thing: like people called the outer <laughs> world's version of capitalism unrealistic in caricature, but all of this would just fit right the fuck in the outer <laughs> worlds, especially this uh, peasants add one thousand or one thousand bits. I'm not sure if the last zero, which looks more like a circle, is yeah. A... That's it's pretty badly done. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's like a if that's the like denomination currency marker or if it's supposed to be 1000. But mm-hmm. um yeah, no, they're 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 really doing this violence in the video game. Kind of cool, kind of fucked up. Depends on which part of the violence you're looking at. I think that's the trick. I mean, it's- the thing is it's 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 hard to be too pissed off about it when everyone respawns, right? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, that that's very, very true. Um, I also think, like, if you're talking about a bunch of, like, roving people beating up someone for being dumb enough to buy a Fallout First subscription, then that's funny. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's extremely funny, especially because <laughs> the joke is you buying that subscription in the first place. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if, you know, the, the thing that's not fun or or cool is like the idea that some person who can't afford the subscription is going to wander in and just like get like reminded of the fact that they can't order uh, you know afford the subscription and obviously like i mean that know. but the, I, I would agree with that if it was a better game <laughs> i mean the thing is the problem is the people who aren't spending 12.99 a month for fallout first are winning <laughs> like like I mean, outside the game true. outside the yeah. class war they're making a better decision with their life and their money they might not know that yeah but yes you're 100 percent correct it's like you could not you could not do worse than uh than caring about fallout 76 yeah uh, there's a funny guy who makes a a a class-based sort of outside the game argument kenny tull uh he's most of the way through the article um Kenny Tull, another Fallout 76 fan, gave me a thoughtful response about how he felt the outrage against Fallout First was manufactured by YouTubers. Given that there's actually plenty of utility in the subscription, that is an odd changing of the goalposts. Moving of the goalposts. But, utility? Quote, I get two days off a week, sometimes less, Tull said. I don't have time to grind challenges for Adams or fight to farm for workshops, he continued, noting that the subscription helps him with those issues. But all the same, he ended his rationale with something very tongue-in-cheek. We're also definitely superior to the peasant class, and we need to band together to keep them off our slightly scorched front lawns. 
That's so strange. <sighs> what is... It's... What is this? It's beautiful, in a way. It's also hideous, and it's also, uh, you know... I don't want to make this too serious, because we said we weren't going to do serious shit on this podcast. And we aren't, I mean, um, for sure. Uh, Kenny is obviously kind of trolling Patricia Hernandez, and Patricia knows this. Patricia Hernandez is the uh, writer of this article. Yeah, she's a good writer. I like her. Um, And and she knows what's going on here. This isn't like, Kenny isn't getting one over on her here. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, two days off a week sometimes. You know, he gets to role play as an aristocrat, and obviously he loves doing it. Um, I guess some people who are richer but don't want to give Bethesda money for an utterly broken product get to role play as peasants. Um, and <laughs> some of them may have pirated it. Some of them may no, no, yeah, they can't have pirated it because it's always online, right? Like you always have to get, you have to always talk to the server. Uh, you can't go and kill the aristocrats if you can't log in. So well, that's true. I guess you can't pirate it. Yeah, is so, there no way to pirate Fallout seventy six? I mean, I assume maybe you can. I mean, there are ways to pirate always online games, but usually it involves like redirecting the. I, I don't know any the reasons for any of this personally, obviously, but usually <laughs> it involves uh, redirecting all of the pings that your local copy sends to the server to a local host that always sends back a everything's okay ping. Right. And so that's, like, really useful for, like, asynchronous multiplayer-type games. Um, Fallout 76 isn't really like that. Uh, and this is the real—this is why, you know, everything's online these days, is that having everything online is a really good piracy combatant. Um, yes, right, exactly. So I, I believe everyone bought this game legitimately um, or got a key somewhere. Obviously, there's a gray market for keys over— uh, out of certain vendors in you know Europe and stuff like that, um, but no, uh, the, and they're reproducing Class War, and I feel like if there's something serious to take away from all this, it is the greater knowledge of and agitation for class difference in Western society right now. People are becoming mm-hmm. more class conscious. Conscious. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think I think you make a really good point that that it's not always the uh, it's not always the way you like you would expect to see it where you're like, oh, yeah, now people are becoming more class conscious, which means uh, more people are going to be mad about, you know, the aristocracy. Yeah. Uh, sometimes class consciousness can mean um, class consciousness can absolutely mean uh, that you just suddenly realize that it's like you want to uh, be rich. Yeah. And you, you act badly. It is, in fact, that's... that is the oldest style of class consciousness. <laughs> Correct. Yes, yes, yes. The, Becoming the original the one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, very exciting. Um, I, I'm looking look forward, forward to... I'm looking forward to where it goes. Um, I just want to see if, like, they introduce, like, eating people into the game so they can eat the rich. I'm very excited to see how Fallout 76 remains relevant. I, it's like, not, I mean, by fucking up again. That's how Fallout 76 has remained relevant to, until I mean, now, it is, right? It's truly incredible. Like, this is like a, a, a deeply broken game. Like, the most broken game, right? Yeah. And, like, we're still talking about it. Because it keeps <laughs> fucking up in new and amazing ways. Just bring that into the brand. Like, they didn't even buy the URLs for the websites for Fallout oh, first. So they good. redirected to other shit now. That talks oh, shit about Fallout 76, as incredible. if Fallout 76 even needed that. 
absolutely incredible. They got like they they tried to send Perfect. out helmets recently, and they got mold warnings in them. They'll kill you if you put them on. But they only sent out twenty, so it was easy to recall them. I love the video. I, I love it. I love seeing I what happens with the, with Fallout seventy six. It's so good. Like it used to be that I was like when we had to talk about Fallout seventy six, I'd be like, "Geez, I just like I don't care. I just don't care." And now it's like I don't want any other gaming news. I just want. In a way, they've they've like kind of perf- They've done it perfectly. They have. I mean, um, maybe now they just have to. Now they just have to go ahead and make a good game. Right. I mean, and maybe that'll be uh, that space game they're making, whose name I forget and who they've only shown the logo logo of. Yeah, no, um, definitely. That's, that's totally going to be the one. Um, Google Bethesda space game here. Starfield. Um, Sounds great. It has a the logo is the word Starfield with a circle around it. <laughs> cool. It goes from the T and the L, and they sort of touch each other. Um, that's all we know about that game. It Awful. was announced like a year and a half ago, two years. Deeply terrible. Was, I think it was two E3s ago it was announced. Well, cool. It's always good when something's announced two E3s ago and you haven't even seen a screenshot of it. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Uh, do you want to talk about bachelor parties? Uh, we could do that, yeah. Um, so <laughs> Kotaku put up a – this is like a human interest piece. I, I'm not bringing it up to make fun of Kotaku. I'm bringing it up because it has a – because it's funny and it has a truly insane – uh, a graph about halfway through um this uh the headline on this is strip clubs question mark nah period the new bachelor party is a weekend of video games now this might not technically be new information but it's a good it's a good thing for an article um i mean yeah, it's fine. been it's been a trend for a while that bachelor parties have been getting away from um you know hiring sex workers and uh doing blow Mainly because uh, we don't have the money for hiring yeah, sex so workers expensive. and doing blow. Uh, when I was best man for my best friend from high school's um, wedding, what we did was we drove out to West Virginia and went to a brewery and got a, like a, a motel room and ate chicken wings. That's what we did. That's what nice. we had the money for at that point in time. And at this point, I don't even have the money for that, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, no, we, I, when I had my bachelor party, we just, uh, we hung out in my friend's basement and watched Hellraiser. Yeah. Um, and Running Man and ate pizza. Yeah. Oh, and got, and we ate Yingling because Yingling was, of course, the thing that he could have. Yeah. Yingling is a, is a fantastic, I haven't had Yingling in a while. I've, I've been, uh, Guinness put out a, a, a new beer that's brewed in Baltimore, Guinness Blonde. Um, mm-hmm. so I've, I've been like, perversely but both because i like the beer and because it's brewed around here and has the maryland flag on the can uh, i'm pretty sure the the flag is only on the can for the local distribution i think when they send it out everywhere else uh, it's just a normal can um but since it has the maryland flag and i have like a pavlovian response of liking the maryland flag because i'm sick in the head um i, I for get some reason beer. when you said that i heard the american flag and i was like Ooh. well that doesn't really seem correct but okay no. <laughs> No, I, I like the Maryland flag. It's it's like chaotic dog shit. Um, its history isn't great. I mean, mm-hmm. half of its history isn't great. Yeah, the Maryland, some of it's good. Yeah, the Maryland flag, for those who don't know, uh, was made post Civil War, and it featured the reason it has two completely different banners on it. Uh, it has a, a checkered slashed yellow and black field 
in the first and third quadrants, it has a red and white cross with further subdivided white and red quadrants in the second and four quadrants, is that those were the two flags flown by Maryland regiments in the Civil War. And since the Union won, the yellow and black uh, flag, the... Think, uh, I'm going to look this up. I, keep, I, I always fuck this up. One is the Coosland Cross, I believe. And I believe that is the one that is the cross. It's the... Uh, I thought we were getting away from, uh, from strip clubs. We were. Uh, the the Cal- All right, so the, the yellow and black one is the Calvert Arms. The Coosland Kuzl- is the name of the family in Dragon Age Origins that has the oh. throne. <laughs> the oh, Crossland geez, Arms... Oh, are the no. uh, are the flag that the uh, the Confederates were flying? Um, so yeah, you've got the Calvert Arms in the upper left hand corner, and the uh, Crossland, whatever, in the upper right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it's a very cross, distinctive. Yeah. It's if you ever watched college football like three years ago and you saw Mar- the University of Maryland come out. With just the most ridiculous... It's a great... It was a great helmet. It, the helmet and the gloves, because they had the gloves that, like, when you oh, yeah. put your hands together, it made a symbol. And the symbol was, like, the cro- the uh, the Calvert Arms. Um, it was great. Uh, but, yeah, so since the beer has that logo on it, I, I just reflexively buy it. Um, and it's usually on sale, which probably doesn't... Sp- speak well for how much longer it's going to be around but um we'll see uh we got away from our primary discussion subject, yeah so which what's the, the weird quote in here? all right so uh this 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 piece goes around um it's talking about how these millennial young, uh, i guess they're they're young millennials slash i don't know he's 31 so he's a, he's a millennial um, it's, it's talking about how these millennials are eschewing strip, strip clubs and all that nonsense for like land parties and Airbnbs. And it seems like a very, very normal article and you're going through it. Uh, they have this, they have some quotes from, uh, a woman who founded a party planning service who is talking about how millennials are more low key than Gen Xers were. And, uh, mostly because of course we're getting married later and we have less money. Right, sure, of course. Um, and then we get to Julian Legal, 26, of Winnipeg, Canada. So this, okay. this graph begins, I used to go to strip clubs very often in my younger days, so by the time it came around to getting married, I didn't have much interest in doing that for the bachelor party. Fair enough, said Julian Legal, 26, of Winnipeg, Canada. My groomsmen and I are all gamers, so it just made sense to go somewhere where we would, be, where we would all be comfortable. Okay. Next graph. That doesn't mean Legal didn't want a little bit of excitement. His friends kidnapped him after his wife dosed him with melatonin and called him out, out sick at work. Quote, wow. I was then brought to the best man's place where we drank and gamed until everyone was off work, the railway worker said. What? Um, <laughs> um, wow. Excuse me? I mean, I mean, I, if you're going to be with this woman for the rest of, of your life, I guess you have to be fine with her non-consensually dosing you with a sleep aid. That's wild, man. That's like, so the the excitement here is uh, 
Like, wow. I, it does, the excitement here appears to be waking up in a place that you don't know where you are. <laughs> yeah. That appears to be the, the I mean, and I'm, all right, it doesn't say it was non-consensual. Maybe he was told. But then if you're telling him, why are you doing it? Right? Yeah, why would you dose him? Wouldn't yeah. you just say, like, okay, when you're asleep, one night your friends are going to come and kidnap you? Yeah. Like, <sighs> this guy seems to have some other problems besides where he's having his bachelor party, if I'm being honest. Perhaps so. I mean, we do live in a world with gender reveal parties that have fatalities. Uh, people do stupid shit for their relationships. Um, friend of the show, uh, Illy Boshin, uh, yeah. my, my, my good friend Andrew, <laughs> had a pretty incredible tweet today where it was uh, it was the... Uh, the, the the twin towers. Yeah, yeah, it was the twin towers with the pink, uh, pink smoke coming out of it. Yeah, with just oh no, it's it's female twins. Um. <laughs> um, well, and he got canceled. Now, now, uh, now his family can't eat. He got Cancel canceled. Now he's on the run. Again. It's like the fugitive. Mm-hmm, that's right. Um, so I guess it's probably time for me to talk about Death Stranding. I guess I can't get away from it too much longer. I mean, unless um, you want to hear about then how these guys went to. A bunch of okay. Yes, like, I do. I absolutely, I absolutely do. Tell me about it. PVP Cyber Lounge, a Winnipeg-based gaming bar. Have you been to a gaming bar? Mm, I've never been to a gaming bar. No, I mean this is no. distinct from barcade. Barcade, please do not sue us just for using the word barcade. You I are apparently I've... very litigious. Oh, really? They are. Yeah. Uh, if if your establishment uses the word barcade in its title, the Brooklyn-based barcade series of bars, I think they have two establishments. We'll mm. send you a cease and desist. Uh, even though well, it is very legally won't. questionable as to whether they can actually enforce uh, their claim. Well, at least they won't, um, like, just uh, take all your money. Yeah. I mean, they'll try. I mean, I, uh, I, yeah. I, I think, like, the calculation a lot of places make is we could just rename it and not have to pay lawyers' fees. So they do. Yeah, right. Yeah, you just hope that they don't want the nuisance, yeah. basically. Um, so that you were saying, I, so I, I will answer, I've never been to a, uh, a, a barcade of any kind mm-hmm. or arcade or, um, gaming the, bar. Yeah. The, uh, the last time you even went to a caf, a uh, computer cafe place was when they, when computers still had CRTs and you were expected to play Counter-Strike. Yeah. Like I don't. the first uh, Counter-Strike. <laughs> you were, I love, I love you were expected to play Counter-Strike. No, no, that was what was on the computer. It was that in StarCraft. <laughs> You had those choices. Those are good choices. They were at that point. We keep at, we keep saying, "Oh, we need new choices." When we're just a bunch of millennials, mm-hmm. um, soft Counter Strike and StarCraft is good enough for me. Um, it's not. I was bad at both of them. Uh, so they went to this arcade. They went to this uh, BA arcade, um, an arcade that is also a bar of some kind. And what happened? Um. They drank a lot and partied and were just as profligate as anyone at a strip club, and probably spent more. Honestly, for mm-hmm. me, if we're being honest, these are these sound like high end establishments. I mean, so the money you don't think is the reason this is happening? No. Then ultimately, no, I think I think it is. I mean, it depends how much they tip. Do you think? I mean, gamers aren't real big. Uh, you know. Pay for sex work, people. I would say. Yeah, um, I don't want to. No, let's not generalize, generalize about gamers, about but maybe the gamers that we're talking about in this article. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, but it's it's so it just doesn't seem like something our generation currently does as a fraternizing bond building thing. 
Like, right? Like, if you do that, yeah. you do that, you know, that is a solo venture. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's not, I, I think, like, it probably is just not seen as, people don't, people aren't as cool with it uh, in marriages as well. So I think a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of people, even if they yeah, want to. It was to, always a very weird, and honestly, a very aberrational, I believe, I don't think that anyone but Gen X was doing this sort of thing, right? Like, it wasn't like the, oh, were, I mean, were the was... boomers going to strip clubs? Boomers were like they had um, stag parties, but that yeah, they was had different. stag parties. Which, but that's basically strip clubs. It was back mm. when you couldn't just get like a bunch of porn. Yeah, I mean it's all right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, whatever it was, you know, it feels like it was a it was a cultural moment that passed. And yeah, I mean, I and, you know, say, I would agree. There are sections of society that still do it. Uh, most of them wear collars to football games. Um. Uh, sorry, shirt collars. I'm talking about like LSU students who look like Republican state senators. Those guys still have bachelor parties with sex workers. Um, Come on, we're, LSU is the hero this week. Let's be nice to LSU. Yeah, fuck LSU and fuck Alabama. They beat Alabama. Uh, we don't like we don't like Alabama more. That doesn't mean we have to like LSU. Well, no, but <laughs> um, we do for now. We have to like LSU and Joe Burrow, who told the NBA to stop drafting foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> um, truly, a tweet I thought about okay, retweeting yeah. until I saw that uh, that uh, sports talk Joe had retweeted it. I remember. I just remembered that Edward Teron is the head coach of LSU right now. So That's I am so back. Funny. I am back in LSU's corner. That we man absolutely, is, is we a absolutely treasure. love to love to see Edward Teron. Um, all right. Uh, in any case, yeah. Um, Death Stranding. So Death Stranding. Um, huh. So it, I have not he, played it. Trev, okay. Trev, you are the one who has played it, so... I have, yeah, I have played it. Um, it's a super interesting game. I mean, it's like, it's... I will say this for Death Stranding. It is different than any game you've played. Um, there are there are elements of, of games that you've played in uh, Death Stranding. Like, there's definitely... Um, I'm trying to think of, like, what, what you'd say here. Like... There are elements of Death Stranding that you would definitely recognize in other it, games. It feels like, like, from what I've seen of the combat, it looks like it's sort of MGS5 in a very, like, if you simplified a city sim into building blocks, that sort mm-hmm. of that sort of combat with the mules. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I would say that the um, the combat is basically, like, it's, it's extremely brawler-based combat, mm-hmm. where, like... You like it's C-Q-C. it's fun. See, it feels good, but like all you really have to do is click square, mm-hmm. and then there's a couple of little combos you can do if you really want to get fancy. Um, the the stealth is basically not there, but like combat and stealth aren't actually like the main points of the game by any means. Yeah. And I mean, this is no surprise at this point; people know this. But like, it it it's a game about delivering things. It's a game about traversing terrain. It like. The game it reminds me of the most, and particularly in the driving sections, is um, sort of a more uh, accessible version of Spin Tires, if you've ever played that. I have not. Uh, you'd like it. You should. Uh, I'd probably have an extra key copy somewhere around nice. here, but you should, you should give that a go, because it is a game where um, you just drive Soviet-era trucks around. In, okay, in, I'm uh, sold. In, in in the in the Soviet wilderness and yes. have to make deliveries. This sounds like American trucker, but Soviet. That's, yeah, that's and good. like it's it's not nice to you at all. There's like winches, and you like, it's very grim and very boring and very fun like that. 
But that reminds me a lot of Death Stranding. Like, I, I've ended up in a lot of gullies with my delivery truck, and, like, I've had to abandon a bunch of cargo because, like, I've completely, you know, tried to do something unrealistic, and the game doesn't like me doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, the game cares about balance. The game cares about you having to walk a lot of places. Physical like, balance, like, between your left and right. Oh, side, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you have, to, you have to keep yourself balanced. There is a pizza delivery quest, which I did not find very <laughs> difficult, actually. Um, I, is, I, is... I'm shocked that he got the monster endorsement, but the pizza is generic. Apparently, is it generic? Well, yeah, the the endorsement. What we'll get to it, but the, <laughs> I mean, like the game. The game is super, super interesting, though. It's like it is. The themes in it are very, very Kojima heavy. Where like you know, you're being asked to connect. Uh, a bunch of people because uh, you know the, the the death stranding has happened and now uh, connection is 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 uh, is a lost thing and it really... don't, don't humans don't humans need connection after all and, and that kind of thing and yep. it's like all right fine like since Metal Gear Solid Two, Kojima has not exactly been subtle with his themes if if no. you could call him subtle in that too which I think he was kind of subtle in one through three but not necessarily with his themes like he'll have people say things directly to you but personal relationships were a lot more subtle than they were in four or five and yeah uh, and the and the actual sort of like significance of people was was far more subtle whereas i mean in death stranding the significance of people is i mean it's on its face it's very very clear um so i mean you have to be okay with that and you have to be okay with extremely repetitive gameplay um, but the reason that the extremely repetitive gameplay works for me is because it is extremely um, uh, uh, intentional at the same point. Like, it's very mm-hmm. obvious that this is just the game that he wanted to make. Um, he wanted to make a game where you had to do these sort of, like, fetch questy kind of things and, um, you know, like, figure out uh, figure out how to get, you know object a across the landscape without damaging it too much. And then, you know, you get likes and stuff like that. Like it's, it's a very weird game and it's very repetitive, but in a way that it sets you up for it at the beginning. So it's like, okay, Sam, you have a really hard job and, uh, you know, it's not going to get any easier. So, uh, you know, good luck. Um, we're all rooting for you. (laughs) Like it's, Mm -hmm. (coughs) but, it also scratches the same itch, and I was saying this to, to a friend of mine, it also scratches the same itch that um, uh, Final Fantasy XIV does, mm. where I'm just, like, taking things places. I show up, a person says, great job taking that thing to a place, and I say, thanks a lot. And they give me uh, a bunch of things that make numbers go up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people find the roads that I help build, and they also give me little likes, and my numbers go up even more. And I, I go, oh, shucks. Um, thanks so much. I don't... Here's the reason I'm so hesitant to say anything, like, definitive on this game, is that, like, I'm probably about 15 hours in. Mm. I've played a lot of it this weekend, uh, especially a lot for me on a weekend, because everyone's home. It's hard to find time to just sit around a game for three to four hours. Um, but while I've played a lot of it, I'm not super, super far into it. I'm still in the third of 15 episodes. Um, although I... I expect I expect they will slow down. the 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 time commitment seems to be around eighty five hours. Um, oh, just but, a svelte eighty five hours. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. 
it's it's a lot. It's not you know like okay every every one of these episodes is going to be uh you know I mean maybe they all will be about five hours long, but um if that's the case, then I'm pretty sure they'll just streamline at some point because they're introducing cars and fast travel and all this stuff at this point. Um, sorry if that's a spoiler, but. I, I just hoped it would be in there. I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean... It, How the many fjords it, it seems, can I stand? Seems like it might not be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a very pretty game to look at. The building feels good. Um, the, the lore feels um, uh, uh, <laughs> fun and, and like kind of... Um, trying to think of the right word. It seems consistent. It seems compact. Like it all kind of does a thing. Um, there are parts of it that are very problematic and I, I won't, I won't spoil that here, but yeah, um, I've heard it described as his most misogynistic game yet. Um, yeah, arguably. Yes. Forward to it. I mean, there's a, there's an argument for it. I, I need to see how a couple of the, the, the lines of uh, plot play out. If they play out in the ways I fear, then yes. If they don't, I mean, you can make a case that five is, is more, um, <laughs> That's, weirdly, that is not a great position to be in. No, weirdly, um, fragile is uh, among the least misogynistic uh, uh, Kojima female play, uh, characters. Maybe tied with oh, I want to say Fortune, but Fortune just becomes like uh, the, the least... whole thing about Fortune at the end is that she's like a, a mom and a and a yeah. wife and that's I what think we and a sister um it's like it's the least misogynistic characters like the boss olga yeah i was gonna say olga um maybe even Eva. olga though. i mean none of them are perfect um i mean you don't they don't need to be perfect they just need to be well sniper drawn. wolf not <laughs> great fine um, i guess not yeah. not the worst i mean she fits an archetype I mean um, when we're when the other options are quiet and the beauties from metal gear solid 4 and Meryl, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah Meryl's yeah. not. Sniper and oh, and uh, and um, Otacon's sister. Uh, Emma is middle of the pack, probably. Um, yeah. E e. Um, there's a, there's a pretty clear line of like when was the game made, early or late, and how bad are the female characters? And it's the only all, one that like sort of breaks down. that mold is Meryl, yeah. who just was kind of not a fun character at all. Um, but yeah, like the, I feel like there's that going on. There are the Kojima problems, um, mm -hmm. and and uh, thing one in Kojima problems is that he is awful at gender and sexual violence. Um, but the the game, as far as gameplay goes, is doing something fairly interesting. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's doing something thematically interesting, and I'm not going to be able to really know that until it kind of shows its shows its work a little more. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's almost impossible to know until I know what exactly he's, what exactly the game is like planning. It, it rolls stuff out pretty slowly. Um, I will say that the, the one thing that um, I have thought is that there are, and, and like, this isn't necessarily a complaint and, and it isn't, it isn't a complaint about the game. It's maybe a complaint about the reception, which mm -hmm. has been like uh you know, this game is uh, genius or this game is trash and, and people like to yell a lot about it. Um, it is it doesn't do anything that hasn't been done 
by an indie game, which isn't to say that it isn't new. Yeah. Because it is a AAA game. It's doing something extremely new for AAA games. And in doing it as a AAA game, it's something um, aesthetically new because there's so much more it can do than, than indie games can. But, like, the whole sort of, like, aimless, wandering, dead world, uh, impossible task thing, I mean, that's not new. That's yeah. not brand new or anything like that. Um, Kojima is doing new things with it. Uh, and it looks great and it's, you know, fun to play in a, in a sort of like uh, numbers go up kind of way. Um, but I do think it's kind of funny that it's being called like this completely game breaking walking simulator, which I mean, insofar as it is a walking simulator, it is following along a, a fairly well trodden uh, tradition at this point. Yeah. Um, but I get it. I mean, I try it. Uh, you know, if if what I've described to you sounds like ultra appealing, and you just like you just want to wander around the wilderness for a while, um, you can ignore the plot all you want. Like, there's if no you're trees, about... are there? Are there trees? There are. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't really... seen them. All, all I've seen is the really like Greenland landscape. Yeah, it's mostly it's... it's mostly it mostly looks like uh, Scottish moors or whatever. Like, but without any of like the color, it's just all green. Yeah. Like, um, I, I really. It's pretty looking. It's very yeah. cool to look at. It, it doesn't look like America, but apparently America has been wrecked by multiple nuclear explosions, but not nuclear explosions. Uh, I have to tell you, I don't think that the nuclear explosions would do that. But yeah. I, I'm with you. I don't think it looks anything like America. I think that's very strange. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. Um, I'll also say, you know, if you're worried about the plot, I, I can understand that. Thus far, the plot has been mostly benign kind of interesting uh with one kind of like vaguely uh worrisome thing that i need to see kind of uh born out a little bit particularly involving the the baby character yeah um but i also uh you know if if you like the idea of wandering around a post-apocalyptic wilderness making deliveries and trying to stay alive that like i mean you might like that a lot it seems like seems like the game for you um, <laughs> if you don't think that sounds fun or you think it sounds kind of fun, um, yeah, I, I'd wait for it on sale. I'm going to bet some people are going to return it. So you'll have some used games to pick up. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be an easy return game, for some yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have two questions. Yeah. Go. First builds off the baby question. It is <laughs> how much of a dad is Norman Reedus and... Then how much of a bad, sad, mad dad is Norman Reedus? <laughs> Norman Reedus is very much a dad in this game. Um, okay. What's funny about Norman Reedus being a dad in this game is that, like, I mean, and, and it truly is, like, the most unbelievable sh- shift, but also <laughs> the the shift that no one's going to complain about because, yeah. I mean, why would you? You don't want to see someone being mean to a baby all game. Um, that that would not be appealing I mean, especially if, like, you then have to look at the baby crying. Like, I know there are a lot of people who, like, don't like having kids, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I'm not here to tell you you should or shouldn't have kids. But, like, it's... I am, but I won't tell you which. <laughs> John, John's like the uh, the the two figures in the hallway, yeah. one who tells one, lies. One tells a one lie, and one tells the truth, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, no, like, I, you know, I'm not here to tell you if you, you should have kids or not, but... I will say, like, you know, watching a baby, like an actual sort of like decently rendered baby cry is like not pleasant for anyone. Especially um, not pleasant for 
parents. I, I'm not a parent. I know you are. Oh, yeah. It's, it's super um, not But a lot of parents, people yeah. across the gaming spectrum have talked about how badly they've reacted to the baby. Well, and BB, BB's kind of funny because, like, BB doesn't look... I was actually trying to explain it to a friend of mine. He looks Who's like an old man, sort of. Well, yeah, so it's it doesn't look quite right. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that I believe, is because you can't mocap a baby. Right. Like, you can't you can't get the baby to look as good as Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen do, and all the characters do, because, I mean, you, you mocap them. Like, they just look... You, you got every movement they ever make, and you get to, like... But you can't do that to a baby. A baby's not going to sit still while you mocap it. And it's not going to do the moves you want it to do. Like, absolutely not. So, like, as a result... You know, you, you get kind of a, a wonky-looking baby. But the movements and the actions it does are extremely true to babies. Like, mm-hmm. the things it will respond with, the way it will sort of, like... Obviously, it does a thing where it, where it uh, has bubbles come out of its mouth because uh, it's in an artificial womb, and the bubbles right. look like hearts when it's happy. Normal. Babies don't do that. Normal. Um, I'm here to tell you, babies can't, can't like, Gandalf... Uh, smokering uh water bubbles but wouldn't it be uh, cool if <laughs> but, but the things like like if you if you like poke the little womb, the artificial womb and like uh, soothe bb it'll like it'll put its finger right up against the thing just like you trying to mimic you mm. and that is exactly what a baby does like it is it is picture perfect uh, as far as like the actual things the baby does um and the crying the attitude it has plus the tone of the cry is very similar to a cry. So it's not good. Like you want it to stop. And, and for, fortunately you can make it stop. Like it's not bad, but um, Norman Reedus like basically comes into possession of this baby and you're led to believe like he's not very comfortable with bridge babies as they're, as they're called. That's what BB stands for. And, um, and there's plenty of reasons not to be comfortable with bridge babies, but the, um, he gets a hold of it and basically like, uh, um, He's told, well, look, like, uh, this baby's a uh, minor spoiler, I guess. <clears throat> <laughs> nice joke. Um, yeah. But uh, but they say, like, you know, this baby is uh, got to go off to the uh, to the old incinerator. It's no good anymore. Uh, that's oh, what normal. That's what. Yeah, that's what um, that's what uh, um, our our uh, lovely, uh, lovely director. Um, is this Die Hard Man? Uh, no, it is Dead Man who Dead is um, none Guillermo of these names. None of these names can compare to Hot Cold Man. Hot cold All of these man. names are are withering vines in the shade of his glory. Where was he from? He was uh, Hot Cold Man was the uh, villain of Peace Walker. Ah, okay. He was the CIA chief of station in Nicaragua, and his plan was to grab a nuclear walking battle tank and shoot missiles at the United States for reasons that made no sense. Cool. But uh, his um, name was Hot Cold Man because of the Cold War going hot. Very, I like it. Very it's good. very good. Um, but no, uh, Dead Man is uh, – all the characters make fun of their names except Die Hard Man who's very serious. But uh, – <laughs> Dead man, dead man says like at one point because you are you are a repatriate, which is how Kojima explains um, how Norman Reedus can right? die and come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, means you die, you go to wherever death exists in this world, and then you. Um, I have not read all the codec in- entries at this point. I find myself not super interested, which is not like me, but you know whatever. Um, but um, the uh, the. 
the repatriate can just come back. Like you can, you can like find your way back to your body. Um, and so when you first meet dead man, when you first meet Guillermo del Toro, um, he says like, he's like, Oh, despite my name, I've never actually been dead. <laughs> oh, um, well, so there's always little, makes sense. There's always little like, uh, like, well, I mean, but Norman Reedus has, so he gets to yeah. like, he's like, what's that like? Um, and fragile, says, well, buddy, like, it's I, fucked up. <laughs> fragile at one point says, "Like I'm pretty tough, name notwithstanding." So, like <sighs> that doesn't better. Um, but anyway, um, does Mama say she's not a mama? I, I think Mama is a mama. Uh, I'm not. We haven't really. Mama and Heartman are the ones that are uh, still kind of mysterious. Yeah. Uh, um, in any case, and I, I haven't seen Die Hard Man with his mask off, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, but anyway, like the uh, so like Guillermo del Toro tells you you gotta burn the baby, um, and you know naturally you're like, well, I don't really want to do that. And Norman Reedus is also like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to burn this baby up. That seems like a really bad idea. And so um, he basically like he kind of drags his feet on it, and the baby becomes useful. And they're like, all right, you can keep this baby, but just know you're gonna have to burn it eventually. Um, but Norman Reedus go- goes from, like, not being very comfortable at all with this kid to, like, protecting it with his life. And then instantly is, like, a super, super nice dad and, like, soothes the baby. Like, there's never a moment where, like, Sam Bridges is like, yeah, like, shut up, baby. Like, I'm trying to think. Anytime the baby cries, he's like, oh, hey, hey, calm down. Shh, shh, trying okay. to imagine Norman Reedus delivering the line, shut up, baby, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of lines he delivers. He had to read uh, for weeks for this role. Um, there's a lot of incidental lines that are ridiculous. There, I was walking around trying to get a delivery in, and Norman Reedus go or Sam Bridges, excuse me, says, uh, says, uh, um, "Hey, at least I'm getting my steps in." I'm like, it's a Fitbit joke. What? <laughs> Just doing it. You're doing a pedometer joke. That's that's cool. I don't know if you know what I don't know based on the time. Yeah, like you know the, did they ever get invented? Is. Like uh, yeah, no, no, no. This is this is the future. Okay. So so everything that's happened in our world, including um, the the editor of Famitsu, is is in it, and he basically he's a little hologram, and he says like he says like yeah, my my dad like used to run the last magazine, and everyone said it was the best game magazine ever. Um, uh, he's he's in there. Uh, it's a pretty good joke. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like everything, everything that happened in our world happened in the Death Stranding world. It's just that yeah. then the Death Stranding happened and everything just like went to went to pot. Um, I do have one more question. Don't ask me what the Death Stranding is. I, have I don't no, know. No, this is not about the game. Okay, good. This is about a quote that appears in the making of documentary that appears on the Death Stranding disc, I believe, a twenty-six minute BBC. You know what's coming? Twenty-six minute BBC documentary. On the making of Death Stranding, uh-huh. Kojima Productions is going to make movies. <laughs> I just want to get your feelings on this quote, and I'm going to read directly from the Kotaku article. Quote's real good. Quote: In the future, Kojima Productions will also start making films. Unquote. Kojima said. Quote: If a person can do one thing well, then they should be able to do anything well. Unquote. Well, that's just true. Yeah, it's definitely true. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna grant him some like 
some leeway in terms of bad translation, even though this is a documentary that presumably he was able to sign off on in some respect. Uh, if he didn't want it to go out that way, presumably he would have been able to, you know, because he speaks English, he would have been able to tell, someone would have been able to say to the BBC, maybe don't make it that stupid and bad of a translation. I don't know. But there's, there's no, I can't come up with like the better version of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a good version of it. I think, like, I think what he's trying to say maybe is, like, the video gaming version, like, the way video games can be directed is similar to the way film could be directed. Like, you can imagine if I'm good at directing action in this medium, I can be good at directing action in the other medium, which also is not true. Yeah. But at least a little more defensible. Yeah, and, and I mean, it it, re- it requires him not realizing the advantages he has as a AAA director. Because sure. other directors don't get to do 20 minutes of cutscenes where they pretend to be a freshman film student. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, the I would say, like, the cutscenes in this are fine. They yeah. don't seem bad or anything. I've, or... I've heard they're better than they were in MGS5, that he's growing. Um, I like the cutscenes in this better than any other uh, Kojima games I've played. They're, like, they actually have some sort of... Um, setting and direction to them as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, just like people yelling at each other. But it, um, I mean, they're nothing like they're not, sp- most of them aren't special. Some of them are interesting, but most of them aren't special. They're just fine. I mean, uh, you know, could Kojima with a lot of help direct like, like an action movie blockbuster? Could he direct like solid snake the movie? Uh, probably. I don't think he'd be interested in it. No, no. He Honestly, I don't think I don't. I'm think giving he... like a. This is like a pure yeah. hypothetical. Like, yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. So if he's not interested in Solid Snake, could he do uh, Stature of the movie, or could he do some uh, some action franchise where like you know? But he would have to do a genre pick. Like I. Yeah. Hideo Kojima doing like art house stuff would be. Um, I want to say this in a way that's not mean to Kojima because I don't want to be like that's not my point here. I do. But I don't. I think it would be really bad. Yeah, because Kojima well, is like Kojima is at at his core a didactic director, and I, I was mm-hmm. saying something like this on Twitter. Like he's a didactic director. He basically tells you how to feel in the plot of the movie. He says like, okay, here's here's how you need to feel about this. Um, so get ready to feel that way, and that can work actually pretty well in video games because you as the player get a chance to sort of like. Okay, let's see what that feels like. Let's see what it feels like to 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 talk to someone about like nuclear proliferation for a while. Yeah. I can choose to to cut this conversation off or I can keep going. Let's see what it feels like to deliver things to people. Like that's the the beauty of video games. But f- film doesn't really work that way and the best didactic film is um very old at this point. Like he's not going to be Sergei Eisenstein. So yeah. like I, I don't know. Like, I think any artistic stuff that he would put out would just be like, would be too simplistic. I, I mean, I, my problem starts even more fundamentally, which is I don't think he can do a movie. I don't mm. think he can do something that's only two and a half hours long. I don't think he's uh, ever yeah, had that's to. Fair. Like, I don't, like, I'm sure he can. Like, he's not a stupid person. He is capable of artistic growth. He hasn't been forced to grow artistically since Metal Gear Solid 3, but, you know, he, he's not an idiot. I'm sure if he needed to evolve and adapt his style to work in the constraints of a film budget and a film runtime, he could. But I do not think the first offerings would be watchable. No, I don't think so. Um, I think he's going to have a learning curve that 
maybe his current place in the market can't support. Um, like, yeah, because he's gonna. He, I mean, he might want to do this under a under a you know a fake know. name the first couple times. Yeah, I you know I mean I, I think you're absolutely right. Like there's gonna be there's gonna be growing pains. I mean if you've played, I know that there's a lot of blame given to Nintendo and uh, you know translations and the limitations of the MSX and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like even if you look at the growth between Metal Gear and Metal Gear Two. Like, he clearly learns a lot, which is to say Metal Gear 2 is pretty good for what it is. Um, I think it's a game more people should probably play. It's it's um, it's sexist in an 80s action uh, movie kind of way, which at least mm-hmm. is something we can kind of recognize. Like, okay, like the reporter wants to sleep with Snake kind of thing. Um, I mean, you just can't get away from that Kojima's work, unfortunately. Unfortunately not, but at least, it, at least it's like, you know, oh, this is like I'm watching Commando or something like that. No. Like, it's I not mean, the kind of, like, strange, hyper, like, I don't know, like, almost pathological uh, stuff you see in MGS5 and, and, unfortunately, Death Stranding. I mean, yeah, but, like, even in MGS1, Naomi and Mei Ling were both trying to fuck him constantly. Yeah, that's true. You're yeah, not wrong. It's, it's just there. Um, but in any case, uh, the distinction between those games, right, the one and two, um, is so high in part because Metal Gear Two is is good, but also because Metal Gear One is really not very good at all. Yeah, and like the the like even if you just want to say like, well, the gameplay or whatever, like the plot is is just Big Boss sent me in, and Big Boss is a traitor, and it's like, okay, cool, that's a a really good plot line you took from any spy movie any spy novel of the last like you know 60 yeah. years or something like that and he, he did better in the second one like the plot of metal gear 2 is actually kind of interesting um and then on and on and on from there uh, the plot of metal gear solid one is is legitimately interesting yeah. um and then it keeps going but i think like you're right like that's going to be there in the films it's going to be a learning curve of sorts where it's going to be you know if, if, if kojima productions makes films the first few are going to be quite bad. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing: if he learns to work with people again, mm-hmm. then then he has a chance of being something special there. Like, mm-hmm. if he learns that, like, because pe- when people get to his level of renown, and this isn't a Kojima thing, this is a way the world works. When people stop having editors, when people start getting unlimited budgets, when people start getting treated as gods, who you know, bless the ground they walk upon. People stop being able to do good art. Yeah. Um, You need to have constraints. You need to have collaboration. You need to have uh, someone to fuck up your ego. Uh, That's sort of just how this has to work in order for anything to work in the world. Um, Because if you start to believe your own bullshit, then the bullshit becomes bullshit. So if he goes into the into films and he's willing to listen to Del Toro and he's willing to listen to uh, Refn, whatever the fuck, um, Winding. You don't want him to listen to Refn? No, not – look, he's misogynistic enough as it is. Um, <laughs> as long as – but as long as he's willing to listen to people, as long as he's willing to have people who can keep him in check, as long as he's willing to take some losses before he's put something out. Uh, then I think he can do the transition just fine. He likes lens flare too much, but, you know, no one's perfect. I mean, who doesn't? Um, yeah, give him the Mass Effect movie. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't, I just, don't, I just don't think he's at, like, he's gotten to the point in his career where he is not going to be able to do that. Um, yeah. 
and he is one of the better game designers we've had uh, in a long time. But he still needs editors and collaborators. Um, and I'm interested to see what he does next, unless it doesn't have a gameplay portion. It's possible. Yeah. All right, so last thing. Uh, you have to explain a little uh, teaser in this to me. Um, the next uh, Need for Speed uh, does not have... Microtransactions. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, this article is by ONS Good. It's from Polygon. and More like ONS Bad. Well, I actually, he's actually, written like, some I, articles about, just, like, robot sorry, umpires wanted, on baseball or golf. I just wanted to say like, that. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when you're on my list. <laughs> um, no, sorry. Uh, no, but Need for Speed Heat is out or will be out within the next couple days. Um, it is a Need for Speed title. It has gotten basically no promo promotion. Uh, or push from Electronic Arts, who's its publisher. Hmm. Uh, the first big news it really had is that it wasn't going to be at E3. Uh, they'll be showing it off later. And it doesn't have the... microtransactions. Now, what Good means by saying that no microtransactions are a bad thing is what he's saying is that EA shows what games it believes in by the amount that they monetize your ability to play it. Mm-hmm. So if they don't add microtransactions to a game, like they didn't for Need for Speed, that means they don't think it's going to succeed. So they didn't bother putting in the effort to make it hard to play. Right. Um, and he's not wrong. <laughs> in fact, he's incredibly correct that that is how you should interpret a flagship title on a flagship brand, sub-brand, of a company like Electronic Arts not trying to steal as much money from you as possible or extract as many rents from you as possible. Because if they're not trying to do that, it's because they don't think you're going to buy it in the first place. Correct. They think it sucks shit. Um, now, that can lead you to some weird places. Like if, if the game was a diamond in the rough, and I've watched some review footage, it does not look like a diamond in the rough. But I'm, I'm not a huge racing game person. It are, just are looks you... really cool, right? Like it's not a diamond in the rough because it's too good to be a diamond. Like just... Oh, definitely. Do you play racing games at all? Not really. I, don't, I actually, yeah. the thing is, I, I enjoy, I, I had a thing where Auto Week, um, uh, I, I, I'm friends with one of the guys who does the podcast for Auto Week, and they asked me on a while ago to cover some racing games. Mm -hmm. It was genuinely interesting. Um, I didn't like a lot of them. I liked, uh, I liked uh, like the rally games; they were pretty fun. And I liked—I guess it was Dirt. Dirt Two was was really fun. And then um, later on, I did put—I uh, did put the the newest Forza on my best of 2018 list, and I stand by that because it's a relaxing and weird and fun game, like <laughs> for non-racing fans. But I found the whole subculture where you buy a an honest to god like Camry. Uh, from a junkyard <laughs> and turn it into a controller. I think that's cool um, in a way that I, you know, it, it, it's cool in the way that I would never do it. Yeah. Um, I'll say that. I mean, I yeah, I'm not a racing game person. This looks like, like, they tried to make op racing games open world. Yeah. I and it, wor it works with, for with Forza. It yeah. Actually, like, it's very fun with Forza. I think that's a pretty particular thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this game seems to be mostly about how shitty cops are, but without any teeth in terms of its story. Like, I've seen some cutscenes. Um, mm -hmm. Most of them are about guys who sort of look like professional wrestlers whose gimmick is that they're rich and fascist, uh, but wearing cop outfits um, being like pro wrestling heels to you. 
Hmm, weird um, how you wouldn't like that. That sounds good to me. It sounds good, but like... I'm just kidding. It doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's really bad. It sounds like, bad. <laughs> like, I mean, like the idea of shitty cops in games, though. Like, mm-hmm. that is kind of a step forward, right? Right, like, where they're not good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. where like, yeah. Like, the idea that the cops are the enemies and the crop cops are evil and all that... But it's just like, okay, some of this is like just like heel wrestling shit, right? Like he's making a big speech. But some of it is like when he screams at the woman of color eyes forward whenever she looks at him. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we're doing this over cars. Um, And and like I guess the cops are running like some illegal car theft ring. Um, And I, I think the game apparently opens with them like turning off their body cams to kill you or something. Um, so it, it feels kind of, confu- I, I'm not sure that a need for speed game based around, um, racing for money in the day and for reputation at night can really address these themes personally. Um, and maybe I mean, that is, that is why EA has less faith in it than they might otherwise have. If Sleeping Dogs didn't do it, how can, how can we ever expect another game to? That's true. I mean, well, Sleeping Dogs was always unfinished because you couldn't, uh, date Emma Stone for more than two missions. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, so it, it's just a weird state of the, the way that the industry is in right now that, um, right. that no microtransactions means this game probably fucking sucks. Um, and I look forward to that continuing. Like if, if a game comes out without that stuff in it, without those barriers to actually enjoying the game in it, then it's probably not a good game. And that's just a shitty divide to have. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Outside the indie market, of course. We're talking about AAA games here. Well, no, yeah. I mean, like, it's... I think the problem is, of course, that, like... AAA games are going to be what a lot of people play. I think, like, if Death Stranding has showed us anything at this point is that a lot of people don't have a big experience of games outside of AAA. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was that funny... That, that shit you were, you were talking about earlier today. The, the guy who said Europeans are smarter than Americans. Talk about that. That, that would be Kojima. <laughs> that was Kojima himself. Yeah, Kojima said oh, that. Oh, he's uh, so stupid. The game, yeah, the I game was about... getting bad reviews in uh, in America because Americans were too obsessed with their uh, first person shooters. <laughs> Why don't you put more Europeans in it, asshole? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Like, oh, you I... want our Conan, but you can't stand our reviews. <laughs> I love, I love the idea that like the because like okay, fine. You want to say like you want to make the claim that. Uh, you know, Americans are generally a little more like into gun culture and stuff than other places. Yeah, fine. Like, sure. Guilty as charged. But like, I love the idea that like the 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 people at Polygon or Kotaku or IGN are like, oh, I'm sick of all this, this like sissy stuff. Bring me the guns. Like, I, yeah, no, definitely, like, when, when, uh, when Alex Navarro wrote this piece, I've met Alex, he is a, uh, he's a, he's a crazy gun nut, he just loves talking yeah, about yeah, guns no. all the time, and only plays FPSs. The drum magazines, I heard him talk about drum magazines a lot, um, <laughs> he's a drummer. I, uh, I, I, I liked that joke, I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's really funny that this, uh, rawhide Kobayashi asshole is, um, talking so much shit about America. Not that we don't deserve it. But, like, dude, <laughs> who buttered your bread? Yeah, it's, um, it's a little strange. Like, it's, I think, like, it's a little weird to to complain about 
American gun culture when uh, the Metal Gear games are so, like... They used real gun names for most of those. Yeah, they had military... uh, They had a military advisor. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's like... And a lot of it has to do with, like... A lot of the popularity has to do with people being like, yeah, yeah, talk to me more about guns. Like, it's it's a little weird that he would now be like, oh, I see you're not smart enough to get my art game. Oh, it's not that surprising. This is the idiot who said you would be ashamed of your words and deeds about the woman who had her chest size increased by, like, two cups and was put in a bikini and, a, and torn up pantyhose. And then what we were ashamed of is that we had to watch all that fucking shit in Metal Gear Solid Five. That was so bad. I mean... I forgot that he... Like I, I said... I always forget that he said that about Quiet, that we'd all yeah. be, like... Once once you find out what's really going on with Quiet, you're going to be pretty your your face is going to be red. She had to breathe through her skin. That's why you, the mo- one of the most expensive items you can buy in a base run of the game is some actual clothes for her. <laughs> yeah, you can put her in fatigues if you're willing to pay the price. So bad. Otherwise, it is the descending dog with her ass right in your face. The entire game until the scene where she gets raped or almost raped, depending on how you interpret that cutscene, and leaves for good. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to all the parts of Death Stranding that aren't the parts where I have to engage with creator Hideo Kojima, as opposed <laughs> to game designer Hideo Kojima. I think you know the one thing I will say about Death Stranding is, and, and this is something I believe, and I've I've thought about based on the the controversy around. Um, the the asexual demisexual uh, dialogue. I think a lot of people are writing this. I think a lot of people are working on this. I think there are a lot of, you know, for for a game that is, you know, in so many ways like created, produced, uh, directed by Hideo Kojima. Like this game is is absolutely it has a lot of fingerprints on it. Um, and I think like there's a lot to enjoy, even if you like find Kojima's stuff to be completely tiresome. Um, if only because like there are real actors in it, and there are like, I mean, it's such a massive game that there was like clearly more than just him working on it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it just like obviously that's that's always the case, but it's not auteur uh, stuff, no matter how much people want to tell you it is. So I mean, you definitely will get something out of it. Yeah, I mean, I'll try. I mean, that was the th- my thing about the game is that I was really looking forward to the gameplay and walking across the solemn, lonely wastelands, and I never wanted to engage with the plot. Um, and it looks like, uh, from everything you've said, sounds good, sounds like it's about what I expected, and I'll pick it up when it hits PC. Okay, sounds like a plan. Um, all right, well, it's kind of weird because I have talked about the game I've been playing, Yeah. Um, but I want to hear about the game you've been playing. So I'm still playing The Outer Worlds. Uh, I restarted the game um, to play as a non-combat character, which is a good move for everyone who wants to do that. Uh, I, I'm I'm really liking it. Uh, mm-hmm. Still really liking it. I, I do think maybe my second opinion on the combat is that uh, it's there to get past, which is sort of the same with New Vegas and, and all the Bethesda Fallout games. But I think it's have more of something... Have you ever played, like, you... a Fallout game that where the combat isn't to the past? The like, have Fallout you ever played one, one and games? two, maybe? The combat maybe. is so bad in that. Yeah, but, like, it's... 
Yeah, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> I mean, arguably, it's different. the worst of them all. Yeah, <laughs> I know uh, it's not the worst of them all. Fallout Three is the worst of them all. Okay, but still, um, like, very bad. Yeah, I mean, it, basically, you're um, the one piece of advice I have to come back to this discussion with is uh, that don't play as a combat character. Okay, just play as as a as a speaking character, and let your uh, party members take care of all that shit for you. And also, the game is apparently pretty moddable. If you didn't like the uh, colors, if you didn't like the field of view, although there is a field of view slider in the game, uh, apparently a lot of that stuff can be edited in INI files and uh, other easily moddable places. Hmm. It's not as easily moddable as Bethesda games, but it is apparently moddable. Oh well, that's nice. Yeah, and I'll keep it short. That's basically all I've got for it. All right, cool. Well, I guess that's it for us uh, this week. John, can people find your work anywhere? Yeah, on Twitter, where I'm whining all the time. Okay, cool. At John Bernhardt. Uh, this is a well-paying venue. Yeah. Uh, and you can probably find me at the same place. I think by the time this comes out, my review of Death Stranding won't be out. But it will be out soon, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And, um, yeah, well, thanks for thanks for, thanks for for stopping by, buddy. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Good night. Welcome to Patch Notes. We are back, as always, with the uh, incomparable uh, Jonathan Bernhard, Jonathan Baseball, uh, Angry Bird. No, someone, no one has ever uh, called me Johnny Baseball. <laughs> Johnny Baseball. Someone. Um, you know how I quit Little League? Why I quit Little League? Uh, you were too good before. at it. Yeah, no, that was not it. Um, we had a weekend like tournament thing. You don't actually do these for like non kids who are good at baseball. They're like for travel teams supposedly, but we somehow got uh, okay. pushed into one right after the part of Little League where the kids start pitching. Oh, uh, so right. I got hit by five pitches in two days. <laughs> and you were out, and I was done. That was it for me. Johnny Baseball, baby. Um, someone was talking to me, uh, mentioned you, uh, for the show. It was just like something b- benign, but they, um, they referred to you as, uh, baseball. Um, and I, I didn't quite understand at first that it was just, uh, that was the bit. And I, I like, it was my bit too. And I totally didn't get it. It's that's, that places me like uncomfortably close to the crank. Oh like, yeah. If no, now, you're, you're crank adjacent. Now if like. If there's art of me that isn't like the Orioles bird, it's I'm gonna have to have a baseball for a head. Yeah, not so, good. Not good. Uh, I need to reconsider my branding. <laughs> well, John, uh, welcome back. Um, mm. It's a slightly more newsworthy week. Yeah, uh, I would say. no, there's been actual news. I mean, some of it's. I mean, most of it's fucking disasters, but there is actual news. Some of uh, it. I mean, some of it's it, bad. I mean, th- there's I, like I, no, no. I mean. There's bad news, and then there's, like, bad news you can laugh at. And I think mm-hmm. all of the stuff we have this week is bad news you can laugh at or, you know, slightly funny news. Yeah, it's nothing It's nothing heavy. Um, no. I would say that the the couple pieces of good news are kind of neat, too. Like, I mm-hmm. think there's some stuff to, to look forward to, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's not, let's not hold it off any longer. I think we have a pretty long list, so uh, let's uh, – Let's dig right in. Uh, we can actually start talking about uh, the the bad. Um, by all accounts, by every single account I have read, uh, and there are many. You link to a couple here in our in our shared document, which wouldn't you all like to get your grubby mitts on? Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, edited every night, one hour before recording. Please do not give away <laughs> the secrets of the show, John. Um, 
No, uh, the in the in the in the shared document you linked a couple of uh, pieces, and I have seen these and others, and uh, I saw uh, Schreier tweeting about it. Uh, Google Stadia is looking like it's not going to go very well. No, it's it's a fucking disaster. Uh, Gene Park is the guy over at uh, Washington Post who runs their games coverage. Yes, Washington Post now has games coverage. Mm -hmm. Great job if you can get it. Uh, He posted the famous uh, GIF file, GIF file. I'm going to pronounce it both ways, not start a war in our mentions. Thanks. Um, With him playing Destiny 2 on this streaming service. Uh, For those who don't you aren't aware, uh, Stadia is Google's entry into the console market. What they do is they put together a bunch of high-end uh, black boxes, basically. I don't think we actually know the specifications of the quote-unquote consoles that comprise Stadia. But basically, you've got a giant server farm somewhere in, in Google land. Um, and the idea is that it, it shoves you a – it takes your controller. You have to connect it through Wi-Fi um, to your uh, router – and what it does is it takes your controller input as upload, sends it back to the server farm, and sends you a video feed of what you've done as uh, download streaming. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're watching a video feed of yourself playing a video game. Uh, if you've and if you you're asking yourself, but doesn't this mean like ridiculous amounts of lag? The answer is yes. Um, yeah, I mean it, the 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 amounts of lag are, are sort of like it depends on who you ask, basically. Yeah. Like some you, you well, it depends on when you ask them too, because people with right. the same connections will have different experiences across and, you know server load and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, and people people who are not like Google employees have also said like actually it's like way less than you would have thought. It's like not so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people who are Google employees also have been saying that, but then people will also say it's like nigh upon unplayable, and mm-hmm. it's it. I mean. In many ways, it reminds me of like the the Halcyon days of um, uh, the Halcyon days of like uh, dumb systems that never came out, like the Phantom. There was um, a funny thing about this. Um, did you see this? The video games museum exhibit that was put up in like San Francisco for the Stadia. No. So uh, what they did is they put up this display. Um, uh, let me see if I can find it so I don't completely misquote this. Yeah, that would be bad. Um, so what it, what it was is they put up this like this this display somewhere outside in San Francisco. It might have been outside a con. It might have been outside their offices, whatever. Uh, I actually don't know where their offices are. I just assume it's San Francisco. Um, and it had like three displays, and it, and it was like – it was like the Neo Geo handheld game, the E.T. Wow. Atari game, and the Uja or Ouya or whatever oh, the, the hell it the was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the Stadia. Incredible. And it was just like, what are they trying to say here with these three failed platforms? And then the Stadia is the feature of video games. And apparently what happened was they had two, like, concepts that they were warring with. And they just sort of just got combined in the wrong way. Oh, and okay. the contractor who was putting this together like sent them like placeholder text to put on <laughs> on the signs to the um, Sweet. to all four of these like consoles or games being displayed, including the Stadia, and sent them a note saying, "Okay, have your writers take a look at this, have them change it, and you know do what they want with it." And apparently, Google just put it all out there, like just oh, the placeholder oh, text, no. typos and all. <laughs> On this expensive, you know, yeah. Um, so that's a 
about how Google's been handling this entire process from the beginning. <coughs> um, it it like it reminds me in some ways of the. Um, I know that I already said it reminds me of one thing, and and yes, like it does remind me of like the Phantom because it's it's these weird, and I've said this before, but it's this mm-hmm. weird like hyper ambitious idea that never quite seems right um and never quite seems like it's gonna work but then you're just like well i mean maybe maybe um but the it also reminds me a little bit of uh, hillary clinton's campaign and that like stadia stadia was like introduced as the thing that will change well i mean you can play stadia in michigan right (laughs) no i actually uh, michigan and wisconsin uh, no stadia (laughs) um but it was it was presented that way and then it was sort of uh uh handled as if it were a coronation as opposed to any sort right. of like actual argument where it was just like, yeah, it's Google and they're, they're getting into video games and it's going to be streaming video games. So anyone can play whatever they want. So, uh, that's going to change everything. Yeah. And I mean, we, mm-hmm. it just won't, I guess. Yeah. It won't. I mean, we already discussed how ridiculous some of the promises coming out of this before were negative latency. If everyone remembers that. It does seem to some degree that the people behind this project have taken not only the people who are early adopters to this sort of thing for a ride, but have also taken their bosses a little bit for a ride, Um, uh, which is, you know, whatever. I mean, Google has money to lose if it wants to lose money. And that's sort of been the pivot, right? Like, as soon as it became obvious this was a disaster, people started asking, but Google's so smart. Didn't they maybe they wanted this to happen? No, they didn't want this to happen. Like, you know, maybe they'll be fine that it, you know, given that it's it's a disaster, but you know, it's not like they wanted the Google Glass to become a national embarrassment. It's not like they right. wanted, you know, all of the all of the failures and they've had a lot of failures over the years. It's not like they wanted those things to happen. There's no master plan here. I mean, they can spin it if they want as being a, oh, we were just testing the market to see if streaming is, is really ready for it. Yeah, no, 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 You were trying to make a play, and the play obviously hasn't worked. And, you know, let's, and let's talk about how they're structuring the buy-in for this. You have to pay, pay for a subscription service. Oh, yeah. Sure. And then they charge you for games. Full price for games. And you don't own very, the games, obviously. Very, very cool to have to buy, uh, like, Shadow of the Tomb Raider for $60. Yeah. And obviously, and uh, the Chromecast, the Chromecast Ultras don't actually work with Stadia yet. Uh, it, the, the currently existing ones, you actually have to get a special one for something called the Founders Package. Hmm. Um, and apparently, they they're saying they're going to push down and update to the existing Chromecast Ultras that will allow people with those devices to actually use Stadia at hmm. some point. But, you know, a big part of this launch that Stadia is launching with a, without a lot of the promised features. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, this is – there's a couple of things, too. Like, uh, pre-orders are down. Um, interest seems to be not what they expected. Uh, there are bots uh, arguing for the glory of Stadia. Um, mm. All of these things are extremely bad signs. But as you say, like, it, it's not as if Google really – doesn't I mean let me think about how to say this Google's business model and like any sort of like tech monopolies business model is built uh, as a um, uh, as, as this they basically take a series of, of high high uh, high yield risks mm-hmm. um, and Google Glass and Stadia were high yield risks if they pan out then you get two entirely 
you know, untapped and un, uh, non-existent currently market shares, uh, all Google. Like everyone else is going to have to get their second, uh, which is huge, uh, uh, as the I, iPhone has showed us. Now, Google Glass, yes. I'm unsure the – like we know Microsoft is working on something like this for Xbox. Well, so yeah, okay. We're but pretty sure Sony is too. And we know Steam is as well, as we'll talk mm-hmm. about later. But like – or Valve is, excuse me. But like it's – what I'm saying is if Stadia comes out first, then you have a version of... Well, it certainly game. came out first. <laughs> well, yeah. If it, comes out, if it comes out first and it succeeds, yeah. right? That's the gamble. So that's that's the sort of idea. And I don't think they really care if it doesn't work. I mean, they, as you say, they care. They want everything to pan out. But all of these are gambles. Everything Google does is a high-yield gamble at this point. You don't have a lot of safe stuff. This isn't money market stuff. So, like... Did Stadia fail? Yes. Did Google probably think that Stadia was going to succeed 100%? No. They probably thought, well, there's like a 30% chance this is going to be a huge flop. And, you know, maybe they were uh, They got their little, percentages yeah. mixed up, but yes. Yeah, right. I mean, there was maybe a 30% chance this was going to be a huge success. It was actually a 0% chance if you knew anything about reality, I guess. Like, yeah. when people come out talking about negative latency, you're living in grift land. Or just la-la land. Like, it being them trying to cover up an obvious problem by lying about it, by talking about negative latency, is a much more generous interpretation of events Mm -hmm. than them actually believing in the concept of negative latency. That is insane. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it... the problem with Stadia and like the thing they've clearly been trying to push back on with Stadia is that Stadia has never been taken seriously and naturally so because it's like it is sort of ludicrous on its face. Yeah, I mean, I'm, to be honest, it's not really a serious product. No, like, not not at all. There are use cases where Stadia could be great. Um, they're not use cases Google wants to invest in or cares about because it's obvious from like the games that they've pulled to put on this platform, this service. Uh, Destiny 2, the mm. Tomb Ra- the new Tomb Raider games, that sort of stuff. And there's a couple of puzzle games on there, too. Mortal Kombat 11, Street Fighter 5, I believe, is in there. Those yeah. are not games that a streaming service at launch is going to be good at doing. Well, yeah, they really shouldn't have included a fighting game. Is Street Fighter 5 really in the, the Stadia? Yeah, lineup? yeah, I saw, I saw someone put a two-minute clip of it up today, and it was hideous nonsense. Um, the, the thing is, like, so so one of the articles I put in um, just before we, we, we recorded, uh, brought to us by by good friend of the show, Piss, um, is uh, from Rock Paper Shotgun about uh, Steam Remote Play. And uh, Steam Remote Play is basically, like, Valve's version of this. Um, and I mean, like, this isn't good guy Valve kind of stuff. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, Google's so dumb and Valve's so smart. But Valve does, like have a have a concept here that is a concept right like the idea of the couch co-op such as it seems to be it's it's heading out of beta it's it's sort of like they have a whole sale on this stuff mm-hmm. is that one person owns the game and then your friends who you are playing with get the streamed version and yeah there's some latency but you're playing with four people not across a network of a nation or a global network or something like that it is like apples to oranges and clearly valve is point looking at it like we can solve this use case whereas google is looking at it like we can completely change the world of gaming such as we know it and that clearly was just way way too ambitious and not specific enough yeah 
I mean, what are they really going to do at this point? Like, how do you move past this? Like, what what's the plan moving forward? I mean, uh, I think probably, like, you're going to see a an Anthem-style um, measured walk-back where, like, we keep getting rumors that Stadia's not dead. Stadia's going to come back. We're going to get more Stadia, um, as there have been rumors about Anthem recently as well. But clearly it's going to be one of those things where it's like, hey, look, like, what's going to end up happening here is Stadia's going away. And, yeah. uh, and we're just going to keep telling you that it's coming back in case, like, we can get two of you to buy one of them. Uh, but I also, I mean, it appears I'm wrong about it. Street Fighter Five. Maybe I was watching something stupid. Oh, I'm just not, I'm not seeing it on the store. It, a truly, truly a nightmare idea to have a competitive fighting game. On, well, I mean, on, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 is on there, and it uh, was to, okay. Well, a nightmare, um, you'd expect, but yeah, like the 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 concept is gonna be out there, people will remember it, but I honestly think Google's gonna. Google's going to cut bait if this doesn't turn around very quickly. Yeah. If, like, Stadia doesn't come out and everyone says, like, I don't know what everyone was talking about. This rules, and it works perfectly. I mean... Um, I think Stadia is going to uh, uh, go away. Yeah. I mean, getting to what I was saying before, like, there's a way to launch this, and it would be fine. You put turn-based strategy games on it. You put things that don't require graphical load or things that don't require timing on it. Like if you know if people wanted to play Hearts of Iron Four on Stadia, that would be amazing. That's the best yeah. use case for Stadia. Yeah, absolutely. But no, but that <laughs> you know you don't want to do that if you're the business people. You want Call of Duty. You want Destiny Two. You want all the fighting games. You want all the things that require you to actually have the right infrastructure that Stadia just can't do. Yeah, because I mean we're just not uh, the 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 technology isn't there i mean no. yeah. it's not even the technology like there's no technological innovation that could have made this work like right. maybe sure. there's an infrastructure innovation that could make mm-hmm. this work mm-hmm. yeah. by you know it's a good point making it so that we have wiring and and physical networks that work bet- well enough to reduce latency to you know the 20 millisecond range always as opposed to the you know 120 to 200 millisecond range that people were experiencing fairly regularly during these these normal tests i want to say someone in france tried to use it they were getting like 400 milliseconds um Mm, of that's lag, very bad which is really fun that sounds like a great experience um 400 i'm assuming plus. i'm assuming there's Plenty not a lot of european surfers right now out there for stadia um i i would expect not i i think that's probably a very good bet yeah um, uh so yeah i mean and like this doesn't seem like it, it's not going to be drawn down it's not this isn't like you know a bad game launch where you can just you know quietly shuffle it off the cliff and not talk about it ever again. We'll get to bad game launches in just a little bit with our next section. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when Forbes is putting up articles called Google Stadia Launch Review, a technical conceptual disaster. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, at some point you do need to retool a little bit or at least, you know, pivot. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean... 
again, I, I don't know if they can save it. I think it's just going to be a, hey, guys, remember remember Stadia? Wasn't that weird? All right, everyone forget about Stadia now. <laughs> um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm not I'm, I just don't see it really happening. Um, anyway, yeah, I think um, it'll be fascinating. I mean, I didn't expect it to flop quite this bad. I expected it to be quite bad. But to be like, honest, I kind of did. I mean, honestly, okay. I kind of expected it to flop worse. There been, it, it works a lot better than I thought it would. Hmm. Um, especially given that Reddit AMA where, like, the guy giving the AMA was offering to drive a Stadia out to somebody's house. <laughs> um, because the Founders editions weren't going out correctly. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, things are bad. That's uh, so They good. were bad, but they weren't as bad as I thought they were. That's Fallout 76 style bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on, I think, uh, unless you have any final thoughts about Stadia. I do not. Trash. Garbage. Not going to buy it. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? (laughs) Or I guess license it. I'm not really, you're not really buying anything when you send money for Stadia, are you? Very (laughs) cool. It's a thing that you don't actually buy. Um Excellent to not even own something. Yes. Um, Stadia. Stadia is just doing what uh, what I want to do with radical redistribution of wealth, uh, just in a different way. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Uh, Bioware was busy this week. They were, uh, and over the weekend. Um, were you excited to see the new Dragon Quest uh, hint? No. Or not I mean, Dragon sort Quest. Of I'm sorry. Were you excited Dragon to see Age. The new Dragon Age? Hint? Uh, sorry, it may, I mean, if you've I've for a second I've there. put like 600 hours into Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, the first playthrough I did was as a lady Dalish elf who uh, romanced the character Solus, who turned out to be, spoilers for a four-year-old game, uh, (laughs) the ultimate bad guy slash he's going to be the villain of Dragon Age 4 almost certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't romance that guy, your last interaction with Solus is a very... Uh, dickish. He cuts off your arm. I mean, he cuts oh, off your arm wow. either way. Even if you're his lover, he cuts off your your arm. Uh, the difference is if you're in a relationship with him as a Dalish female elf, because he will not be getting into a relationship with anyone else, because Solus sucks and is a racist. Wow. Um, then you, because the uh, one of the conceits of Inquisition is that uh, you get this power to close these demon rifts. Uh, it lives in your like right hand, I believe, left or right hand, okay. one of your hands. Uh, right, and it's going to kill you at some point. Um, so he, at the end of Trespasser, the final DLC for the game, uh, which is also the transition in Dragon Age Four, uh, he just lops off your arm. Uh, you okay, survive. Fair enough. Your character survives, obviously. Now. Um, whether the context of how he lops off your arm is very much up to how your character feels about Solus, and unless your character is sleeping with Solus, and like there is a part where like, so the Dalish elves in Dragon Age have these tattoos, and these are like very culturally significant, important tattoos. Uh, mm. They're very individual. They're like face and upper body tattoos. They're very individualized. They're very uh, important to the culture of those elves, uh, and the and the elves in um, the Dragon Age setting have been enslaved for most of the race's history. They used to rule everything, then humans took over and enslaved them. 
uh, and most of the time they live in it is a not entirely um, subtle pastiche of like Romani indigenous stuff going on with these elves. Okay. Um, so at some point in the romance between your female Dalish elven inquisitor and Solus, uh, Solus, who seems to know a lot of stuff that he shouldn't because in secrecy he's actually like like 800 years old and evil, um, mm-hmm. he informs you that those tattoos are slave tattoos. He's going to take them off of you if you want to. And uh, he does not respond well to you saying, no, these are an important part of my culture. Okay. Um, so that's the kind of person Solus is. And that, that is like the, the top good path for Solus. Like this is him being at his most sympathetic is him like railing at you about your degenerate um, <laughs> slave culture. Sure. Right. 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 Uh, so, of course, that brings us to the tweet. And the tweet is <laughs> him sending the Inquisitor like a happy birthday note and asking to meet for tea. It sort of makes sense if he's like the ex who dumped you five years ago and he's being really shitty and not understanding, you know, reading the room really correctly on how you feel about him. It yeah. sort of makes sense in that context. But in the context of like the Inquisitor being like a giant Cunari dude that wants to gut him, <laughs> it doesn't make much sense at all. Yeah, um, that's a little strange. I mean, I did like that it was for me a dragon age noob uh, who has never played really any any i guess i don't have to say really who's never played any um it's it still gave me the opportunity to be like ooh what's this all about cuz like it's like ooh was that a little early and mm-hmm. immediately you know like anyone who's reading it's like oh wow what are they what are they hinting at here this is so cool i mean i thought it was a neat ad it is very funny to hear about it like what it's supposed to be in context <laughs> yeah like all right i'll read the exact text of this note happy birthday on the left hand side of the card right hand side of the card inquisitor the passage of these five long years seems but an instant in my heart yet still ample cause for celebration dot 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 t soon solace you don't send that card to anyone really like anyone who ended whose last encounter with you was either you yelling at each other and him cutting off your arm or you yell pleading with him to come back with you and him mm-hmm. dumping you and cutting off your arm yeah it's an odd look for well for a guy who is fairly clearly very bad at talking to people um but this is part of an actual like like sort of like a press push i want to say over the past 5 days or so uh yeah. this is this hit on the 18th, um, but over the weekend, um, two stories dropped. The first was, and these are very silly story. like there's a report that a new Mass Effect is rumored to be in very early development. It's, <laughs> we, love, we love very early development. <laughs> it's, there's like, there's, uh, this is a, a Kutaki report. I think it's from Jason. Yeah, Jason Schreier. Um, and it's sort of like – it seems like the, the tone of it is supposed to be, oh, you thought we were dead, but we're back. But mm-hmm. you're not back. You're just you're telling a reporter that you like had a conversation at a water cooler about maybe making another game in one of the most successful <laughs> video game IPs of the past 20 years. Like, yeah, no shit. You're going to make another Mass Effect game. We didn't take you seriously when you said that Mass Effect Andromeda was going to be the last Mass Effect game. Right. Like, well, no, no matter no what you felt, well, no matter what you felt about Andromeda, and I liked it more than most people did, 
no mm. one actually believed a word that came out of EA or Bioware's mouth about that, you know, about them putting the IP on a shelf. No, of course not. Like, that's not how this works. And and you go through the like here, here's here's some Trier's reporting verbatim. Many of the details are still in flux, and there's no clear timeline for the Anthem Next project. Now I'm I'm reading from the other right. Right, You're hinting. Go. Yeah, the Anthem 2.0. Yes. I'm, all right. I, the Anthem 2.0, which is actually the exact same story as this. Um, but let's go with the Mass Effect one first. Okay. Uh, very early development could mean a lot of things. It's possible that Bioware has a team putting out some early concept sketches and storyboards. Uh. It's possible that Gamble, who was uh, a producer who worked on um, – Mass Effect 2, 3, and Andromeda, and was part of the Dragon Age 14. They seem to be, like, putting, like, sending producers around, like, musical chairs because they don't have any that will stay with the company for two. It, it doesn't seem very healthy, what they're doing over there, but... Not really, no. Um, it seems like it's, uh, it's sort of like a talent uh, abyss. <laughs> I don't know I, I mean, I... I the thing is that we, we know <laughs> this isn't right. It's 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 like it it repels people. Yeah, I mean the thing is that based on the reporting on the how Dragon Age Inquisition came around, how Mass Effect Andromeda happened, how Anthem happened, we sort of know what the workflow is there, and mm. it's not good. Right. Like, if you want to be ungenerous, it sounds like they fuck around for the entire dev cycle until crunch starts, and then they start working on the video game. It sounds right? kind of nuts. Yeah, like, the whole thing with Anthem was that they spent, like, a year, 18 months maybe, doing, like, prototyping that never actually got past the chatting or scrum stage. And then, yeah. and then a prototype was demanded, and suddenly everyone had to scramble to do something. And, and people – and Bioware employees had concerns about this with Inquisition, which is sort of the same way, uh, which is – which led to that famous quote about how Inquisition being a good game was the worst thing that could have happened to Bioware. Right. Um, because, yeah, right. Because right, it because reinforced all the bad uh, priorities that they'd learned over the years. And so, like, them releasing information that maybe sort of were kind of thinking about perhaps doing another Mass Effect, okay. You should have been <laughs> doing that. It would be nice if, you know, <laughs> you had been doing that earlier. I mean, I think I honestly, I think this is like a trial balloon. Yeah. I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound like Seth Abramson or anything like that, but it seems like a trial balloon for like um, figuring out where people are at with Mass Effect right now. Yeah, where people are just like, you know, are they still really angry about Andromeda? Do we still have all that backlash? Do or people still think it's like a joke? Are we talking about like the the weird faces and everything? And then like you know. If if that's not what people are talking about, then we can feel a lot more comfortable about doing a Mass Effect game. Um, I think more to the point, you are correct in saying that like if you are not thinking of doing a Mass Effect game, you are like doing it completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, and, and this was on Saturday, I believe. Friday, a report came out that Bioware is also planning a complete overhaul for Anthem. Now, I just want to, like, now that we've talked about the Dragon Age 4, a Mass Effect game, and redoing Anthem, those are three AAA projects that this Seems like a lot studio, which is, I think at this point, Bioware Edmonton and a Texas studio. Austin? Bioware Austin? Um, 
Well, one of those studios will just take on two games. It's fine. Make it the Edmonton. Yeah, Bioware has nothing to do there anyway. Um, they've they're yeah. So they've they've got two studios, I believe, Edmonton and Austin. Three three AAA games at the same time. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the the thing with uh, with Anthem is that we're, no one's really sure what it's going to be. Is it going to be like a Realm Reborn type thing where the entire project like is collapsed and redone? Is it going to be a No Man's Sky type thing? Is it going to be... I don't even know if it's going to be called Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next. This sounds like another trial balloon. Yeah, for sure. Like And like, I mean, especially with Anthem, where yeah. like they, they are they are hoping someone says like, Anthem, cool. Like, yeah. I, I, loved, I loved the concept. I... I no one loved it's the concept. It's great to hear that someone's going to redo it. Honestly, if you just called it Mass Effect Anthem, it probably this would be a better sell. If that was a, if that was like, as bad as that game was, if it was a Mass Effect game, I bet people would be more interested in you fixing it. Yeah, that's true. I think like the the thing about the thing about Anthem though is it is a game that never was quite good enough to actually make people excited about it. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone who was excited about it just had investment in it already and wanted to like it. Um, I don't... No Man's Sky had a player base um, even before it redid everything. Um, Final Fantasy XIV had a player base. And both player bases wanted the games redone and are pleased, I think, for the most part, that they are. But Anthem doesn't have anyone who cares if it's you know, new or not. Like it, it, it feels like, it feels like this is the opposite of trial balloon where people, where yeah. they want people to say like, Ooh, I, I take this news really seriously as opposed to with mass effect where it's like, Oh, Hey, mass effect. I totally forgot about mass effect. Yeah. That'd be neat. Yeah. Like it, they kind of want two different things here in an ideal world. And I think they're probably going to get the mass effect one and not the Anthem one. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, the Kotaku article has this sort of snide aside, um, and, parentheticals is uh all right this is the start of the third paragraph the one thing that's for sure is that bioware has not abandoned anthem despite the recent breathless declarations that the game is dead open parentheses there are a few better ways to get views on youtube than declaring anthem to be dead close parentheses possibly yeah. true but those are the only people who care about anthem now that's it like it's only the people on youtube declaring it dead that care Everyone else has just moved on. Like there's there's no silent majority here. <laughs> no, no one no one is like clamoring for for Anthem. No one is like hoping that Anthem comes back. I think like <coughs> you your biggest hope for Anthem if you're um EA and BioWare is that um someone like me who like you know, it, especially at that point because I hadn't been playing Final Fantasy like it was, you know, like an MMO like idiot and basically playing it and going like, Oh cool. Like I like the flying, which is my whole read on Anthem, like the flying fun. Um, and like, you're hoping that people like me play it and you go like, Oh great. Like they think the flying's fun. Um, good, good news because we can definitely do more of that in the update. And if they're really interested, um, they'll, they'll come back to it. But, a flying isn't enough to make that happen, and B there weren't a lot of dum uh, dums like me who wanted to to play the game because like the flying felt good, um, and I think as a result you're basically like 
you could have done it if it was a destiny thing and you had a hardcore fan base mm-hmm. um that were disappointed but you could win back um you don't have a casual or hardcore fan base with anthem it's it's over yeah and i mean there i guess there's a universe where you can spend another triple a games budget on fixing this and anthem next or anthem 2.0 comes out and it's good but if you're yeah. also teasing Mass Effect four or whatever the hell that would be, and also saying and also teasing that you know progress is coming on the next Dragon Age, and honestly we're at a point with Dragon Age where that game's probably not coming out before you know twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's, absolutely. Not. It's going to be eight years between Dragon Age games because you fucked up your workflow so bad because you know you got distracted by this Anthem thing. <laughs> And it was a disaster. And I mean, most people, like, at this point have a very distant relationship to Dragon Age. Like, I think they remember it, many remember it fondly, but, like, when the next Dragon Age comes out, it will be. It's, it's going to be almost a decade. Quite, yeah, almost not quite like a true, like, reboot of the series. But, it, like, but that's the thing, thing, it can't be because they ended the last one on a cliffhanger. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, and they set up this whole this whole Dragon Age Keep thing, where the idea was that you were you had this account that keeps moving between games, right? <laughs> like, tracking your right. story progress. They set up the Dragon Age Keep, and then they just didn't make a game for eight years. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. I mean, like, it's it just it feels very haphazard. It feels like they're kind of like they have a number of projects in the air at any given time. It feels, it feels like no one's in know. charge. Yeah, exactly. Like. like people are just throwing stuff out. Uh, but hey, they're the good alive. News is, they're alive and they're leaking. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to play those games, and maybe they'll be playable. Uh, last thing uh, that we have on our list: um, another long dormant company, although dormant in a different way. Uh, not dormant in terms of being a marketplace, but dormant in terms of making video games other than. Um, <laughs> Artifact, Artifact, which Jesus uh, Christ. did nothing. Um, How long did Valve that stay? Coming... Like, it's, did that stay mm. in, in the public consciousness longer than Anthem? Because at least we had Anthem to make fun of. We haven't even made fun no, of Artifact. Artifact came and went within two days. Yeah. It was very bad. Very rough. Um, Valve is talking about making a new Half-Life game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind a of VR Half-Life game? game? Yeah. Half-Life yeah. Alex? I mean, Alex is a cool character. Yeah. No, sure. That's fine. Are you going to be playing as her? I don't think you're going to be playing as her. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, playing as VR. Not only is this going to be a a VR game, it's going to be a VR only game, which is funny for a multitude of reasons. The first being that VR is um, that wave broke and started rolling back uh, some 16 months ago. Uh-huh. You know, it's been a while. I think it's been more than a year since VR was actually, like, because there, there was this idea that enough people are going to adopt VR that it would somehow bring down the money threshold you'd have to buy into to do <laughs> VR and maybe make it so you didn't have to have, like, a 30-square-foot place in your apartment-slash-house that you could just turn into a VR studio, uh, which no one has in 2019 except people age 55 and up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like... I, I just... I don't really understand why 
you know what? I do understand why. Because people see it as still a profit uh, mover, like a profit space where like they can make some money. Mm-hmm. And if they finally make the one game that uh, you know really hits, then and then they can make a ton of money. Um, but honestly, like, I mean, I feel like I feel like the philosophy at work there is that dumb shit happens all the time. That's the right. that's the theory behind the profit motive of things like VR or that Juicero thing or half of Silicon Valley's output, which is if you just throw enough shit out there, dumb shit happens all the time. Something will become popular. Um, yeah, I think like the the idea of. Um, the idea of the like of the um the kind of like shot in the dark sort of thing like this is you know you hope um you hope that you're the person to unlock it and if you're not it doesn't matter cuz no one else did either yeah um you kind of like you're kind of betting on failure in in a lot of ways especially with something like VR and then once you have all the 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 pieces in place once you have all the commodities and resources and everything mm-hmm. kind of like committed to it very hard to scale back, very hard to quit on it. So, you know, you make money by not making money. It's a, it's one of those weird inefficiencies of capitalism um, kind of at work uh, right right before our very eyes because VR games keep getting made, Oculus Rifts keep getting made, and <clears throat> who's buying them, who's playing these games, I don't know. I mean, the games don't seem to progr- be progressing all that well. There have been some interesting ones like that. VR game where you were like it's a shooter, but you're also in a kayak the entire time. I believe mm-hmm. we discussed that before because it's such a cool it's such a cool concept. But it's a like great concept. Like we're seeing a lot more movement into say uh like integrated like Stadia, for instance, doing, you know, just dance stuff or just dance stuff in general where you're uh you're you're moving around you're jumping around like you're sort of like you would in vr but it's the phone that's tracking everything it's the phone that's doing haptic feedback it's the phone that's doing you know all of the gyroscopic tracking and all that shit um because the phone is not only like half the cost of a vr setup but also it does other things in your life yeah you don't just have it on the floor um, and I, I think like if Valve is, I don't know what Valve's doing here. I mean, I was going to say if Valve's trying to make VR hit with a Half-Life game that people are going to want to buy, so they buy the Steam VR. Um, I, but I, I really don't think that, I really don't think that's going to happen. No. Like, I really don't think they think that's going to happen. I don't know what they're doing with Alex VR. Um, I think it, it's plausible that like. Maybe they're just out of ideas. Maybe this is really something that they think is going to hit. Maybe they have an amazing design. I mean, the writer and main devs of Half-Life 2 are long gone from Valve. Yep. But I mean, how I mean, we know what Half-Life Episode 3 is going to be because some the guy who wrote it after he left Valve posted it, basically, mm. with the names changed. Yeah. Um, it, to be honest, it didn't sound very good. <laughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> well, these things happen. But... Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I think, honestly, it, I don't have a lot of hope for it, and, like, I don't know who would. I, I guess I'll be interested to play it. I, I have access to a VR system, um, because I was lucky enough to be around someone who didn't want theirs anymore. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's not something I'm going to be playing all of, because it kind of makes me sick. 
So like I don't I don't understand. I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean I I'm sort of looking forward to it just because I'll watch someone play through all of it on stream or on YouTube. Um and I do appreciate the degree to which they continue to punish people for wanting more Half-Life content. Um, because the only way, and I said this on Twitter, the only way you're going to get Half-Life 3 is if Disney decides to buy Valve. Um, yeah. And then you'll get more Half-Life content than you ever wanted, and it's gonna, most of it's going to be boring pap. Um, hmm. Said, said like someone who was once to, wanting content that Disney then bought. Mm, yeah. Weird how that happens. Uh, We're the, the that Disney bought the Baltimore Orioles. No, I didn't want that content. Fuck that content. <laughs> no one wants, no that, one wants content. that content. Oh well. Well, we'll see what it's like. Um, I don't know. I'm sure we'll all play the new Half Life here or there. Um, I can't imagine anyone's going to be that excited about it. John, what are you playing recently? Uh, I am. I have. I am like 28 hours into Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. You're in the end. That's game. an impressive amount of time. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. Um, it's kind of odd because the game was sort of appeared to be from the footage that was shown, uh, and also from the footage from what you play for the first like hour of the game. It's sort of, it's sort of like an uncharted Star Wars game. A lot of traversal, mm, a lot mm-hmm. of That's cool. walking and talking, but it's not. It's a Dark Souls game. Okay. Um, it's a Dark Souls game with Metroid elements. Uh, so. <laughs> You're basically like I know a number of listeners who will be just like freaking out at this like rampant uh, genre uh, tossing around. Yeah. Um, so you, I mean, explain it, your explain your right. Work. So dark, it, dark Souls, it's Dark Souls. Um, you got third person character action combat parry system. There's some powers that you use that are uh, better and more you know, action and set piece defining than anything you get in those Souls games. But, you mm-hmm. know, we're talking about, we're not talking about Force Unleashed here. We're talking about you've got a slow, a push, and a pull. And that's it. Mm. You're, you don't have, like, you're not casting lightning bolts. You're not, you know, you've got no board clears. You don't have any, mm. you know, any, like, you know, make up, like, bolts from the heaven or anything. Uh, right. You've got a push, a pull, and a, a time slow. Um on one enemy. It's not like a, a it's not like bullet time. Um hmm. so, you know, the thing the way it works is uh you run around between um save points, meditation points, those are your bonfires. Uh you okay. have a little robot friend who heals you. He has healing charges. Okay. When you rest at a meditation point, your charges your healing charges replenish and all the enemies reappear. Uh okay. there's a skill tree you earn skill. It's sort of like Sekiro in this part, where the uh, you earn level up points to spend on your tree. Uh, and if you die, uh, I know in Sekiro you lose a like you just lose a flat portion forever, like minus two hundred XP or something forever gone. Okay. Uh, in this, it you lose all of your progress down to your last point. Uh, so wow. if you've gotten uh, if you've gone from zero to one point and then gained like another three hundred XP. You go back down to one point and it starts the bar, <laughs> bar over. But that XP now lives in the enemy that kills you, and you can go get it back. Okay. Um, sure. okay. You can get it back by hitting them, not by killing them, just by hitting them, which is how you know you don't lose. I think it's pretty much impossible to lose XP permanently. This game is not as hard as a Souls game. It's not as hard as Sekiro, obviously. Um, right. 
So it actually it, it's interesting because if you're if you die in a group fight, then you have choices to make about when you want to hit the guy that has your XP. Because when you get your XP back, you also get all your life back um, and all oh, your charges back. Yeah, sure. So if you kill the people uh, like three or four enemies first, then hit the guy who has your your uh, XP, you get a full heal, all your charges back, and can keep fighting. Unfortunately, there aren't enough situations sort of where this comes into play. Um, at least not for me, there weren't. There are some really big melees in this with like eight participants, eight to ten participants, not all on the same top side. Uh, so like you'll have the Imperials and you'll have like beasts. And beasts will fight each other and beasts will fight the Imperials. They're not all on the same side. Um, so you can have enemies fighting each other, which I know. There's like a very small subsection of the audience that loves enemies fighting each other. Um, I find it kind of funny too, but yes. I was going to say, are you one of them? Yes. Uh, but yes, you can have enemies fight each other. Uh, enemies can kill each other and then come for you. You can tactically, you know, lead enemies into groups of Imperials and stuff like that. Um, the big thing about the game is that the, there's like, I think there's about six worlds. Each one is very, is huge and like nested and very well designed. Sort yeah. of like a Dark Souls level. There's lots of shortcuts and cutbacks. There's no fast travel, so there has to be. Um, like you can't ever just go to like one of these bonfires, these meditation points, and warp back to your ship. You always have to walk. So the levels have to be designed so that that's not insane. And they are. Right. Sure, of course. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm really enjoying like the, the boss fights are some of the best boss fights I've had in that kind mm. of combat. I mean, they don't get to the quite the highs of Sekiro or Dark Souls uh, just because you're stronger. In, the, in this than you are in those games. You have more options. Yeah, weakness is always the, the fun limiter in those yeah. games, actually. Um, but this is, like, easily the best of Star Wars games ever played. I don't think hmm. anything else comes particularly close. Cool. Um, nice. The story is, all right, there's a white guy. His name's Cal Lightsaber. He's a Jedi. <laughs> you know, he's kind of really credulous and won't believe anything <laughs> that a hot uh, Sith girl will tell him, and then he'll act out about it. Um, if you've watched the show Rebels at all, you won't be surprised by the storytelling. This is just Disney Star Wars by the numbers. Uh, sure. It's not bad. It's not great. Uh, if you like Star Wars, you'll like it. If you hate Star Wars, this will turn you off the game probably because it's very Star Wars. Um, I really w they got the actor uh, Cameron Mah uh, Cameron Cameron Monaghan, I believe his name is. Um, he's from the show Shameless. Uh, he's a great actor. Okay. And he's clearly trying to bring good acting to the role. Gravitas. But, and not, not even gravitas, because he's just playing a Jedi teen. Like, Jedi teens are like, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed go-getters. So, okay. you know, he's, he's trying to do that thing. He, and he's trying to do it well, but, he's, you know, he's just not really handed anything to work with. That's um, a shame. You know, it's it's not bad. It's inoffensive, the story stuff. Uh, and there's some really cool set pieces later in the game. I'll probably finish it up before next week. Um but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's worth it's worth the wait. Um, and I hear that I hear there's a sequel hook, and I'm looking forward to the sequel they're obviously going to make for it. Now, the big thing about it is that it did obviously ship early. Um, there are a lot yeah. of bugs in this game. Uh, some, m many of them have been addressed by the I think the two post-launch patches that have dropped. Um, but, you know, they're, with the first mini-boss in the game, if I rolled under him at the right time while he was jumping on me, 
his model would like fly up to the ceiling and he'd walk, have to walk around in the air for a while, <laughs> allow, giving me time to heal, obviously. So it was the correct play um, to make those models collide. But, you know, there, there's, a, there's an obvious thing where they wanted to get this out the door before uh, the Star Wars movie drops next month. Um, and they didn't get enough time to QA it. And yeah, at least the patches are coming through. Yeah. Um, and we can enjoy some fun bugs in the meantime. Uh, it sounds good. Sounds fun. I know uh, one of the listeners on um, the Discord, Tolvo, um, has been doing some... Uh, she has some unbelievable Sekiro no-hit stuff, and I, I know that she's been working on some of the same stuff in Fallen Order. So it sounds I, like a pretty she'll have an, game. She'll have an easier time, I think, in, in <laughs> Well, yeah, Order. I mean, she's like within... Within the first day, she had beaten the unbeatable boss, and uh, that also froze the game. Yep. Um, so, very cool. Um, I've been playing Death Stranding, uh, just trying to get through that. Uh, it's uh, better than it was the last time we talked. Mm-hmm. I think the plot is getting better. Um, I'm surprised uh, at some of the directions it's taking. I'm, I'm a little I'm impressed that uh, the game is going about what it's doing a little more... Um, say skeptically than I gave it credit for. Um, it is also just a monster long game. And I think it, you know, it could have done with a good editor. Um, yeah, that is the, that is the word on Kojima for the last seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It like eight years, whatever you could have cut out maybe a third of this game and it would have been so much better. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about like, it's not even a matter of like, Oh, you know, this like this particular story point is bad or this particular area is bad or this particular mechanic is bad. Like, you know, there are some of all three of those that aren't great, but like for the most part, it's not a specific thing. It's just that there's just too much of it. So we'll see. Um, I'm looking forward to beating it this week so I can write about it. Hell yes. Uh, Yeah. I'm looking forward to clearing out. Uh, Fallen Order, so I can <laughs> reinstall Dragon Age Inquisition and play through it again. Ah, excellent! Thank you, Bob. Time to play that again. You have a real problem. Yes, I do. Well, John, thank you for being here tonight. And um, at John Bernhard, yep. uh, anything coming out through the pipe? Nope. Getting anyone to write for you? Anyone you're writing for? No, I mean, there's some, there's some stuff. Some irons on the fire, but, you know, there's always irons nice. on the fire. All right. Well, let us know when they uh, burst into flame. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thank you. Night. Have a good night. <laughs>